At this time, I'd ask you to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5. We are continuing our sermon this week with a series on outreach, and we are, I guess, we're three weeks into that so far. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be continuing our study on outreach. Um, So please look with me at 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 through 21. Hear now God's holy word. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. Please pray with me this morning as we ask the Lord to be with us and bless us through the study of his word. Father, in this time, I pray that you would powerfully work in our hearts to see your work of reconciliation and to inspire us to take your ministry and message of reconciliation to the world. Encourage us with your loving kindness and challenge us as well to carry this message forward. In the matchless name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Well, have you ever had a time where you thought once you added something to your life, you would be kind of different, that things would just be naturally different for you? Like imagine uh, graduating high school or adding a degree to your life, college, maybe a professional degree, maybe it's getting a new job, maybe it's a new career. Uh, Perhaps it's getting married. You you just thought once this thing happened in your life, you added this thing, you'd just be a different person. Well, for me, that certainly happened when I became a dad. I had always thought that when I became a dad, I would just miraculously have this existential breakthrough, and I would just all of a sudden be the most selfless person, that I would just be devoted to my daughter, my my son, whatever it, it was, and, and then uh, it wasn't like that. Um, I, you know, I have a story where my, my family of origin is kind of a difficult story. Uh, I have a lot of hurt from my father in particular. And so I, I was all the more eager to just show up for my children and be selfless. And yet that really wasn't the case. Um, it, it didn't take long to figure it out. Now, there are some differences. Um, you know, before I had a child, I, I really was a stranger to things in the middle of the night. I, I was in no way nocturnal at all. And then shortly after, I found myself being very accustomed to being up in the middle of the night. Um, and, and now certainly there's a difference in the way that I make decisions, and uh, I certainly t- think of the needs of my family more. Uh, but nothing more uh, <laughs> clearly shows this than the way that I had a vision for a man room one day. And now, instead of having a man room, I have a room filled with diapers and teddy bears and a whole lot of pink. A whole lot of pink. And that is just 
a place in my life where I expected to be very, very different, and I really wasn't that different. I was, I was the same guy. I was still very selfish. Um, nothing had really changed. There was some minor differences, though. But being a Christian, adding that title to your life, becoming a Christian is not like that at all. Being a Christian isn't just adding something to your life. It's not just taking other things away from your life. Being a Christian is a redefining of your entire life. It's a reorientation of everything. It has to shape your entire identity. And that's where we get our our title of this message today. Being reconciled makes us ambassadors. So this passage in context, what's going on specifically in this, this passage Paul is making a defense of his ministry to the, the Corinthians, this church that he's writing to. And we see that there are some specific situations that he's addressing, but there's also universal truths for all of us to pay attention to as believers today. So in this passage, he's dealing specifically with the ways that they had rejected him, and he's making a defense of his ministry. He's not insecure. He's not needing affirmation and and them accepting him. He's really making this appeal because If they reject him, they reject the Lord himself. And so in context, there's some specific stuff happening, but I want you to be uh, very aware that these truths are for all of us today who are in Christ. So our outline for the day is God's work of reconciliation. That's one point. And another point is our work of reconciliation. We're going to see this straight from the text. I'm just going to show it to you straight from the text. So how exactly does God, God's work of reconciliation come about? Well, God's work of reconciliation, first off, makes us new creations. Look with me at verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. This is one of the most profound statements in the entire Bible to describe what it is to be in Christ, to be a believer, to be regenerated, and to be a Christian. This is something that explains it so succinctly because it shows us that there has to be a newness. Being a new creation requires that there's something new happening, Okay, that the old has passed away. This encapsulates essentially what it is to be a Christian and walk the life of faith, that there is a difference. There is a newness, a new creation. It's a reorientation of our very identities. And as you will see from this passage, being a new creation is based solely on God's work of reconciliation in our lives. It's based solely on God's work of reconciliation in our lives. And being a new creation removes our old identity and it gives us a new identity and it sends us out as ambassadors for Christ. That's where we're going. That's the whole concept. Stay with me. We're going to look at this a little bit closer. So when I read about this new creation, it makes me think of the story of Jesus with Nicodemus. So in that passage, Jesus explains to Nicodemus that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. And this is a picture of rebirth. This is a picture of what it is to be a new creation, being born again. And with that, there is a complete change in our identity. Jesus said in this passage, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. 
So then we look in our passage here in 2 Corinthians, verse 16. This is why Paul says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Because it's about the Spirit's work. It's about being reborn. It's about this new identity. It's about being a new creation. That's the way it works when you are in Christ. So, if we are a new creation, if we're born in the Spirit, if we're united with Christ, if we have this new identity, then we're different. Which changes the way we live, right? It should change what we do on a day-to-day basis. Because if we have been given a new identity and we are new creations, we reflect the one who gave us that new identity, that new creation. So we actually take upon Jesus' identity. We are marked by him. So that's who we are now. And it says that all of this is from God. So God's work in reconciliation is all the work needed. Look at verse 18 with me. After this description of how we're made new creations, Paul says all this is from God, showing that He has done all the work for us. All this is from God. So this passage is really all about reconciliation. The word reconciliation or reconcile happens five different times in this passage, so it's a really major theme that we need to understand. So that word reconciliation, it really just means that we are being restored to friendly relations with God. I like that because I don't know if you think about God in those terms, but it's it's essentially that we're being made friends with God. And this is a powerful description of the gospel. So God's reconciliation brings us friendly relations with himself. So when I think about reconciliation, I think about going to someone who I'm at odds with and we both have a grievance against each other. And typically when you try to have reconciliation with a friend or a family member, you kind of both have to give something up, don't you? You, you, you kind of have to offer them an apology, typically, or maybe extend to them some forgiveness. You kind of have to meet in the middle, don't you? Well, you can't really reconcile with somebody unless they're willing to come halfway. Have you ever actually tried to make amends with somebody who really wasn't very interested in that? It, it doesn't really go anywhere, does it? And that kind of shows how we do it. That shows how we try to approach reconciliation, but that's not how God does it at all. In this passage, we see that God reconciles us to himself. He does all the work for us. God is the beginning of the reconciliation, and he is the end of it. He, God reconciles us to himself. So the good news of the gospel is exactly this, that we have nothing to do. The work has been done. The gift has been offered. All we have to do is accept it. We accept that gift of friendship with God. So this might go without saying, but I think it needs to be said that if God is reconciling us to himself, it means that something's broken in our relationship, doesn't it? It means that something's not quite right, and it needs to be healed. Romans tells us, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and for this reason we are considered enemies of God, who justly deserve his displeasure. 
and wrath and punishment. In Ephesians, we read that before God brought us to himself, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And so we're enemies of God himself, who is a righteous judge, and, and through that we, we deserve his displeasure. We deserve his condemnation. But we're also dead in our trespasses and sins, and that means that we're unable to do anything about it because we're dead. We can't change that. We can't change our status. We're dead. We're totally helpless. But God doesn't ask us to meet him in the middle. He came all the way to us reconciling himself, reconciling us to himself. So God no longer sees us as rebellious enemies, but as reconciled friends. As reconciled friends. So how exactly did God accomplish this reconciliation? He could have done it any way he wanted, but he did it in a particular way. God worked his reconciliation through Jesus Christ. God's work of reconciliation was accomplished through Jesus Christ. Let's look at verses 18 and 19 for a second. It says, all this is from God. Everything that's just been said. Who through Christ, catch that, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Then he expands on that. So verse 19, he basically rephrases everything he's already said in verse 18. And he says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So how is it that Christ accomplished this? Well, we're going to see that in verse 21 of this text. It might come at the end. Verse 21 comes at the end of this passage, but it's actually very key to the whole thing. We've got we to gotta understand exactly what Christ did for us. So verse 21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In this passage we see one of the most important verses in the entire Bible explaining what it was that Christ actually did for us. We're seeing how it actually came about. In this we see a double imputation, which is a really fancy word for a double switch. Okay, so what we see is that Christ and his righteousness, his life of perfection, his sinlessness is given to us. It's imputed to us. It's counted to us. And it, we also see in this passage that our sinfulness is imputed to Christ, is counted to Christ. And so in that we have this double switch where we get what he deserves and he gets what we deserve. So that's how the punishment is paid to God. As a just judge, God must punish sin, right? There's no justice without that. So in this we see that Jesus took that condemnation on himself so that we could have his righteousness. And then in verse 19 we see that it says that God was reconciling one of himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's forgiveness. That's the language of us being united with Christ through the condemnation that was paid out on Jesus so we can have forgiveness. So that the broken relationship that you have with the Lord can be reconciled because he's a just judge and he has to punish sin. And so we can stand with the Lord, not as enemies any longer, but now as friends. That's the gospel. That's beautiful. He paid the penalty you deserve to pay. 
It's because our trespasses have been fully paid by the blood of Christ. That's how we who are in Christ have been reconciled. That's what the atonement means. The word atonement, I love this, it literally means at one meant. At one meant. The atonement, which is Jesus paying for our sins for us, is Jesus making us at one with the Lord so that we can be his friends instead of enemies. Total restoration. He did all the work for us. So now, as way of application, I just want to highlight for you how this brings about an exclusivity and a conditionality. If Jesus has accomplished this for us, if there's this double switch, if Jesus has paid for our sins, and if Jesus has offered us his righteousness, then we're able to go to heaven. We're able to have reconciliation with the Lord. The exclusive part is this. No other religion offers that. Christianity is the only way to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only way to be reconciled with God because he's the only one that offers that at one moment. Do you get that? This is an exclusive message that we should share the, the world with. It's exclusive and it's also conditional. Look with me at verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. That word if makes it a conditional statement. You are not in Christ unless you're in Christ. This is a black and white issue. This is a line in the sand. Being in Christ makes you a Christian. Now, some of you may be here today visiting. You may be here uh, consistently visiting. You may be here for cultural reasons, expectations, perhaps relational ties. You might be here out of some sense of obligation. Maybe you're here to worship the risen Lord, the risen Christ, your Lord and Savior. But there's a conditionality to this, that this passage talks about if you are in Christ, you're a new creation. If you have been reconciled. Do you see how that conditionality works? Okay. So, the question I want to try to invite you to ask yourself is, where are you? Why are you here? Are you here out of obligation? Are you here out of those relational ties? Are you here because... It just is what you've always done? Or are you here to worship Jesus? If you're here for any other reason other than to worship Jesus, friends, you need to be reconciled to the Lord. This passage is about God's reconciling us to Himself. And it's a gift to you if you'll accept it. Otherwise, you're still estranged from the Lord. So, Moving on in our passage, I want us to talk about our work in reconciliation and how it is a gift to us. Our work in reconciliation comes after God's work in reconciliation. We don't initiate it. We only respond to it. And that's the beautiful part about living the Christian life. We live in light of the gospel. We live in light of what he has done, not, not what we do, not what we start. We only respond in love to him. I have a great friend in Orlando, and he's a really good man, and he one day wanted to take something off of his list of things to do. He needed to replace his 
front doorknob uh, at the front of the house. And this is something that had plagued him for a long time. And so he decided that he would take care of it this one day. He decided to extend an invitation to his son to help him with this. The, the issue here is that his son is 25 years old, but he's forever seven because he's on the autism spectrum. And so for my friend Jim, what, what this job would have normally taken, maybe 30 minutes, ended up taking him a considerable amount more time. He took the time and the patience to show his son lovingly what to do. He put the tools in his hand and showed him what they did. He showed him what he was supposed to do, and then he, he gave him a shot at it. He, he just let him try. Four hours later, they had a doorknob on their front door. At one point, though, they had put the thing on upside down, and they had to start all over. But Jim wanted to share with his son the mission of his dad. He wanted to invite him into the work of his hands. And I think that's what this is inviting us to. God is not just a just judge. He's also a loving father. And he invites us to share in his mission, his work. He invites us to help him when he could have done it any way he wanted. He could have... He could have brought people to himself in any way he wanted. He could have done it with perfect efficiency. He could have done it as a task, but he did it with relationship instead. I'm so too often guilty of being task-oriented instead of relationally oriented. And, and, and God right here shows us that he did it through relationships. And it's a gift to us. Our work of reconciliation is a gift to us to, to offer that to the world. He empowers us to do that for the world. And like Jim's son, we are completely reliant upon our loving Father to patiently help us, to equip us, to show us how to do it, to give us the tools, and to give us a crack at it, and then to clean up for us after we mess it up. But he, he entrusts that mission to us as a gift. As a gift. Look at verse 18 and 19 with me. I want you to hear how we have been called to share in this ministry. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, continuing that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. I want you to catch here that there's two actions that God is doing the work of reconciliation, but he's also asking us to partner in that. Those things are distinct, but they're intimately connected. We are called to bear the ministry and the message of reconciliation that he's given us. Those things are intimately connected. This makes me think of Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, God creates man and woman. But then the very next thing that he does is he gives them a charge. He gives them work to do. He sends them on a mission. God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion. So right after creating man and woman, he gives them a mission to share in subduing the world and having dominion. So, this is language of work. And I want you to catch something. This is pre-fall. 
This is before the fall. This is before sin entered the world. You're called to work. I'm called to work. I'm called to have dominion. The fall brought the frustration and the futility associated with our work. It makes us want to pull our hair out sometimes, right? It's like mowing the grass. You, you have to do it again. Yet everything is experiencing the frustration and the futility of the fall, but we are created to work. And we're intended to do this not only now, but in heaven. We think about heaven being a bunch of cloud races and harp concerts, but that's really not what heaven is. Isaiah 65 describes heaven like this, that we would enjoy the work of our hands and not labor in vain, not experience the futility and the frustration. We're going to be working, but we will not be toiling. In this life now, we are still called to work. We're created for it. We're the body of Christ. Each member of the body has work to do. We have to function as a body And our Father has shared his mission with us as a gift, and our work of reconciliation is this work. Now, I want to make a distinction here between careers and jobs and missions, okay? Some of you may be teachers, doctors, lawyers. You might work at Chick-fil-A. Everybody has a job, and if you don't, eventually you will. So look forward to that. That's your job. That's your career. That's what you do for a living. But friends, you're on a mission. The same mission as me. The mission that's derived from this text that we are to be reconcilers. We all have this mission because it's the mission of Jesus and we are his ambassadors. Are you catching that? We are his ambassadors. We don't represent ourselves. We represent him. So our work in reconciliation is to be ambassadors for Christ. Look at verse 20 with me. It says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I want you to see the word therefore right there. Therefore is seriously one of my favorite words in the entire Bible. Because it's like a big slap in the face that says, hey, everything that you're about to read is based on everything you just read. And in this case, you, I, all of us who are in Christ are ambassadors because of what God has already done for us. Because of the reconciling power of God. One commentator describes what being an ambassador is really well. I've included this in your quotes and notes. If you want to read along, this quote is at the bottom of your quotes and notes. It's the very last one. He says, an ambassador is at once a messenger and a representative. He does not speak in his own name. He does not act of his own authority. What he communicates is not his own opinions or demands, but simply what he has been told or commissioned to say. This message derives no part of its importance or trustworthiness from him. At the same time, he is more than a mere messenger. He represents his sovereign. He speaks with authority as accredited to act in the name of his master. I love that. So the idea here is that if we are new creations, if we are born of the Spirit, if we are made new in our identity, then we are ambassadors of Christ. And our identity is wrapped up in his identity. Our identity as ambassadors is who he is. You don't represent you. 
You represent Jesus Christ if you are in Christ. And that's the beauty of what it is for us to share our faith with the world around us. Because we don't represent us, we represent Him. And I love that. I love that. So, we need to remember how Genesis 1 calls us to subdue the earth and have dominion. Guys, this is what it looks like for us today. We serve as ambassadors for Christ, the King, who sits triumphantly in heaven at the right hand of God the Father, reigning and ruling over all things. And our call today is to have dominion by bringing others into his kingdom with our ministry and our message of reconciliation. This is a mission that our Father in heaven has gifted us with. So now, practically speaking, what does that look like? I have a couple ideas. Okay, so first, this ministry and message of reconciliation is not about you. Please walk away knowing that. This is not about you. It's about his work of reconciliations, and we are just his ambassadors. Second, looking at verse 20, we see that God makes his appeal through us. How freeing is that? God makes his appeal through us. It's not about you. It's not even really done by you. You have to show up, but God makes his appeal through us. Look at what Paul says in the last part of verse 20. I'll read it. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. So he's been talking about reconciliation. He's been talking about sharing that message. And here he goes, and he just says it. He says, I implore you. That word means to have this desperate sense of begging, that we would beg people to be reconciled because we have that much affection for them as the lost, that we have that much affection for our Savior, that we would implore others. I don't know about you, but I can't remember the last time that I implored someone to be reconciled to the Lord. That's straight talk. You can, you can tweet that. But that's what we're called to. We're called to have passion and zeal as we share the gospel and implore others, beg them to be reconciled to the Lord. And finally, verse 20, it also says, be reconciled. But what I want you to get is that that's not something that we or anyone else has to take up and do. That's not an action for us to perform. In the Greek, that actually is in the passive voice, which means maybe nothing to most of us, but when, when, you, when you hear the passive voice, what it means is that there's nothing to do. You just have to receive it. So being reconciled, after we call someone to be reconciled, all they have to do is receive the gift because it's God who works through you. It's God making his appeal through you. So remember, this is an if-then equation. If you are in Christ, therefore you are an ambassador. This is a domino effect. Okay, It's just a, a continuous equation of if and then. One thing leads to a number. So if you are in Christ, you are an ambassador. Your identity has been changed and now you are on mission. A couple weeks ago, I asked you to consider your circles of influence. I was talking about you evaluating your life and looking at the different places that you have relationships with people. Places like work, your neighborhood, maybe a hobby, a sport, what have you. 
I ask you if you would just like identify the names of those people and think about who may not know the Lord in your circle of influence. And then I gave you a 30-day challenge to take up one of those names and to pray for that person specifically for 30 days. If you are doing that, please continue to do that. And if you have not started doing that, please take this opportunity and be intentional in praying for someone that they would be reconciled to Christ. You are an ambassador to those people that you are thinking of. That's your mission. That's your new identity. That's your, your calling. You can continue to be a school teacher, but you're also a missionary right here in Clarksville. Right here in Clarksville. So apple butter is a little thing that I'm pretty passionate about these days. Um, on October the 14th, we're having an event here at the church where we're going to make apple butter. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have hay rides. We're going to have bounce house. We're going to be growing food. We're going to be throwing some uh, sandbags at holes and pieces of wood. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a great time, and we're asking people to show up to this event because it's going to build community for our church. It's a community-building event, but it's also something else. We've planned this event specifically, intentionally, right in the middle of our outreach initiative so that you can have a safe and non-threatening place to invite your friends and your neighbors, where you can experience bringing someone into a tangible place where you can just have a relationship with them. Yeah, we would love you to share the gospel at some point with that person. That's great. But just come. Start. You have to start somewhere. Bring them to the apple butter event. It'll be a lot of fun, and who knows what God might do. So, being reconciled makes us ambassadors of Christ. To God be the glory as we partner with him in that ministry and that message of reconciliation. And may he send us out to accomplish those tasks. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Truly, we do not work like you work in reconciliation. You have, of your own initiative, reconciled us to yourself. The work has truly been done by Christ fully. And we praise you for that. Lord, would you now embolden us as your ambassadors, as we take your ministry and message of reconciliation to the world around us. Amen. Amen.